0: fusionchurch.cc and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Today, this morning, we are in Luke chapter two, and we are reading the first 24 verses of Luke chapter two. So I'm really excited to get into this with you today. um, As we really dive into part of the Christmas story. Uh, and so we're excited for that. Um, let's pray and then let's dive into the word. Let's not skip a beat and let's really get into it. All right. Um, so let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning as we come uh, to you fresh, come to you ready, come to you open, come to you uh, just expecting exactly what you want to bring to our ears today, to our hearts today. Uh, Lord, may um, may you just illuminate us As we get closer and closer into uh, Christmas Day, where we are celebrating the birth of your son, Jesus. Lord, as uh, we know, it's not the birth, but it's the reason he came. uh, That is such a a miraculous thing, uh, that, Lord, uh, you are our Lord and you are our Saviors. Lord, I surrender myself uh, to you that this be your message and not my own. Please teach us all, including myself. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. All right. Again, Luke 2, we are reading the first 24 verses of that chapter, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, Uh, and so let's start and dive into it. Um, Now, one thing I want to note, in Luke, as we read, I want us to pay very good attention. Anytime you're reading Luke, pay very close attention to how he formulates his words. Luke is a phenomenal historian. And he's very intentional with how he words things. Uh, and so, therefore, we need to pay attention to that and not mix things up uh, because the devil's in the details, if you will. Uh, but and, and some people get some things mixed up uh, when reading uh, this, and, uh, and they're inferring things that Luke is not inferring. Uh, and they're missing the things that Luke is inferring uh, in his writings. And so we'll talk about some of those things. Uh, in here uh, in this story, but let's get into it. Uh, Luke 2, verse 1. At that time, the Roman Empire, uh, Emperor Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when uh, Aquarius uh, was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. Uh, And because Joseph uh, was a descendant of King David, he had to go into Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancestral home. He traveled there from the village of uh, Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancee, who was now obviously pregnant. So, homegirl was in that third trimester, possibly uh, at this time. Uh, Verse six, and uh, while they were there, uh, the time came for a baby to be born. <clears throat> she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Uh, that night, there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified, but the angel assured them, do not be afraid. And he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will be, you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth laying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels hadn't returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was a baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and the angel had and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Uh, Verse 21, uh, eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the laws of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. Um, So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. The word of the Lord, and so that's we're stopping there in Luke two. Um, and man, there's a lot to unpack a little bit in here, uh, and so there's a couple of things we're going to kind of go through some history things and, and different perspectives on here. Uh, but one of the things that uh, a lot of people try to uh, kind of come against uh, in not only this story, but it's one area that they really want to point to uh, in the Bible. Is saying that uh, Luke was wrong uh, is this census area? This what is going on with having a census uh, right here? And uh, what they're saying is, hey, uh, we don't see any record of this. Um, well, a couple things, and that's why I mentioned at the beginning that we need to be very pay. We need to pay close attention to what Luke is saying in here. Uh, and that there's a couple things that are going on. So one, uh, it says that there should be a census taken throughout the Roman Empire. All right. And there's two ways of looking at this. Number one, is there is it done uh, throughout the Roman Empire all simultaneously at the same time that throughout all the different provinces uh, that Rome is um is running? You know, Egypt is its own. Syria is its own. Judea is its own. All of these different ones are their own. Uh, province and uh, it's not necessarily saying that they have to be done simultaneously um two censuses were kind of done there were ones that were done uh individually by province at different times uh, and then there was ones that was done holistically uh for the empire um And usually the really big ones that are noted are ones that are also considered, uh, not only were they registered, uh, but they had to pay tax at that time. And so when you actually had to not only be census, but uh, taxes were taken at that time, um, then that was a bigger uh, census that was definitely remembered and actually noted uh, by other historians. Um, but there's other writings that we see in Egypt and um, papyrus and different uh, things that they have as well that shows that both uh, it was done regionally at times. And then on top of it, they did ask for people to go back to their ancestry home. Now, why did they do that? Uh, one, it was one of those where they understood the culture now primarily for Jewish culture and even other uh, cultures as well is that your family estate and your understanding of your wealth and what could be taxed uh, really was generational wealth or generational um, land ownership. And so uh, your land ownership or what was going to be taxed probably most likely the most uh, and have actually for Rome looking at it in a greedy way, how can I get them, how can I tax them at a higher level at a higher tax bracket, if you will, uh, is make sure that I understand their full amount of wealth in their family, and then tax them that way. And so uh, it would be one of those things that, hey, yeah, you need to go back in, and tell us where you're from, and what is your uh, lineage. And so this is why this was not really When we read this, it's not a big ordeal. It's just noted that that's why he moved. Um, So they went to Bethlehem and Judah, uh, right? It's it's noted David's ancestral home. This is brought up both because why he's going back to Bethlehem and on top of it to show that he's fulfilling uh, Messianic uh, prophecy as well. Uh, He traveled there from Nazareth to Galilee. That's uh, er, in Galilee down there. That's about an 80 mile trip. Uh, And so on donkey or horseback, that's long. (laughs) Okay, it's not just getting in your pretty car and going uh, 80 miles, um, which, you know, we can all that's an annoying drive, but it's not. It's it's nothing that's really going to like break the bank. Right. Uh, But this was a big deal going 80 miles on uh, the back of a donkey um, that took some preparation and made sure that you had to have the right supplies and everything to do that. So that was a bit of an undertaking to do such. Um, But all of this is real. We see that, um, you know, also in Luke, he notes that this was the first census Uh, when uh, Quirinius uh, was the governor of Syria. So we see here that Luke is being very, very specific um, with his history, that this is the first, this is not the only census that was ever taken. The census that we see that is also noted uh, is a second census later on. Both Luke mentions this second census in Acts, uh, in Acts 5, um, verse 37. It says in the days of the census, which this was a big one because taxation was actually going on during this one. And it was also brought up uh, in both uh, Tacitus and Josephus's historical writings as well uh, In saying all of that. Um, we also see the interesting one is that how Luke in the original Greek here, he uses the word. Uh, and I don't know how to pronounce it in Greek, but it basically really means enrollment it's not a taxation thing. It's more of, I'm enrolling to make sure I know where you belong or where you come from, uh, for later purposes of taxation, probably, uh, but not at this time. Uh, and so, and it was the same word that Luke used. That's also written in other Greek, um, orders, uh, down to Egypt and things like that, that they've seen, uh, these papyri in Egypt, um, around that same time ordering a census uh, or an enrollment, if you will, uh, in the same way. And so all of this is Luke is very, very accurate as a as historian. And so that's one thing. Whenever we're reading Luke, make sure that you really pay attention to the details that he's putting in his writing, because he's very, very good with this. Um, there was a, a, a it was a classical historian. That really, his name was uh, Sir William Ramsey, that really uh, attributes to Luke as a first rate historian. Um, uh, he was he wrote uh, historical works of the highest order in which a writer commands excellent means of knowledge, either through personal acquaintance or through access to original authorities. Uh, and he goes on and on to really attribute how good of a historian through his writing that Luke is. And so um, that's just a good tidbit on how we need to read uh, through Luke. But we kind of go on and uh, we see that now we're kind of jumping into uh, the shepherds. Um And I, I kind of man, I was like, man, I have a whole bunch of notes already from this, because I think I talked on this same part maybe last year or uh, or the year before. Um, but I loved reviewing some of my notes in here uh, of this. And one was, there was a, a great similarity. There were two very predominant Old Testament shepherds that were called into uh, their their calling, they were anointed, they, they were let known as they were shepherding uh, this great endeavor that God has for them in their life. Uh, and those two great men that we know of in the Old Testament uh, that really follow into this are both Moses and King David. Moses was shepherding uh, his father-in-law's flock. It wasn't even his own. He was uh, being a good steward of somebody else's resources, uh, while shepherding those, and then he runs into the burning bush. And that's when Moses, you know, we, we get the story of the burning bush, and uh, the Lord is giving him his calling, giving him his mission uh, to go free Israel out of uh, bondage from Egypt, and then uh, continue to move into the promised land. And then all of the amazing story of Moses and what he's done. And then on top of that, the other amazing shepherd that was out there shepherding uh, the flock was forgotten about by his own family. Um, His own father basically (laughs) completely ignored him, uh, brought all of his other sons uh, to the prophet Samuel. And Samuel said, No, you have another son. And that's the one I'm here to anoint as the king. Where is he? And they said, Oh, you mean whatever david he's out with the flock and david was out there shepherding and they bring him in and he is anointed then as a young man to be king uh later down the road and of course we know the story of david uh dealing with a lot of ups and downs in life to even get to be king and then his ups and downs as king as well uh and then the pro- propheticness of that through the line of david would be the messiah And we see that both in the genealogy of of Joseph and the genealogy of Mary. Uh, And those two are, uh, you'll see those in both Luke and in uh, Matthew, those two genealogies there. But we see that you know, here that these shepherds are called, these shepherds are uh, being pulled out. And the big note about the shepherds specifically in Bethlehem is that they're more likely the shepherds that were holding on to, not just any flock of sheep, but the flock of sheep that belong to the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. That uh, They were there. They were Yes, shepherds are uh, some of the uh, lowliest jobs uh, to have. Um, I think it made the joke probably like Mike Rose. dirty jobs probably would have talked about being a shepherd back then uh, on his show if he did a show then on dirty jobs. But that's what it was. It was, you know, it was not a pretty, it was not glamorous. It was not something that you went home uh, proudly to tell other people people. I mean, you, I was a shepherd, but it's not anything to go, Oh, my goodness, look at me. Um, And, uh, but we see that, hey, that is what's going on. These shepherds that are just it's so symbolic, not only of great men of uh, the Old Testament that were called into their calling. But here is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that is coming to earth to shepherd his flock, to shepherd his kingdom, to come about and bring on uh, an even greater message uh, to us all. And we see this beautifulness of that. The angels are coming and they come and see these shepherds. And there's this level that I think on surface, we would say, man, how would you be afraid to see an angel? Um, Why is that so uh, fearful like i i would love to see an angel like just appear out of nowhere in the glory of the lord and it's this level of um i heard a lot of this in in uh some near-death experience uh is that uh when you're in that kind of presence of the lord there's just this instant understanding of your brokenness there's this instant understanding of um what you honestly deserve versus the grace of our Lord. Like we we understand it to a level here. But there's like this clear, clear understanding. There's this clear, clear knowing exactly who you are and who you are in the presence of. uh, And just even the angels representing and bringing that glory and that shining light and presence of God uh, into them, their souls probably instantly understood that we are just sinful creatures and that's why that fear probably just overtook them and the angels just said don't be afraid we're not we're not here to judge you basically uh in, in a way of just saying don't be afraid uh for i bring you good news i bring you good news that um, that there will be great joy to all people there's great joy to all people, all people that know Jesus as their Lord and Savior have this joy that we've been talking about uh, in church these past Sundays. And we're going to talk even more on our Christmas Eve service of that joy of the Lord, that joy, joy that we know deep inside of us. Um, that is just absolutely, uh, you know, it just it it permeates out of us. Uh we know and sense that it's still there even in hard times we know and sense that it's still there when we're grieving when we're going through uh difficult situations uh it's that joy that only jesus can bring us and so we're excited about that Uh, but these shepherds are like wait what's going on this is wild look at all of this and then more angels show up and just start uh just praising God and saying, peace, peace is coming, you know? And, and there's such a, there's such like a yearning for peace, you know? Um, there was even a, uh, uh, a pagan Greek writer uh, that talked about how even emperors and rulers of this world can bring about peace by just not having war but no ruler of this earth can actually bring peace that brings peace to a man's soul that there's nobody that, and I'm paraphrasing basically what this guy said, but that's ultimately what it was is that there's no, there's nothing on this earth and there's nothing that humans can do that can honestly bring peace to our heart and our soul. We need Jesus. We need Something supernatural is how this um, Greek pagan author is understanding it, that there's something supernatural that must bring us peace because we cannot honestly bring peace for ourselves. We can't do it. It's just not fully there. We can stop fighting or we can push aside the arguments and, uh, you know, in our own family feuds or, or with our friends or whatever the case may be. But to truly bring peace into our soul and to bring peace into our hearts, that's something supernatural. And that's something only God and that Jesus came to do. And that's why this birth is so miraculous. That's why this birth is so amazing. It's because of the reason for the birth. The reason for the birth. Suddenly an angel was joined by a vast host Uh, of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. And see, here's that, uh, one of those things that God, okay. So only to those that God is pleased, God is pleased when we repent and turn to him. God is pleased that when we uh, come and say, Lord, I I want to be uh, with you. I want to focus on you. I want to learn from you. I want to sit in your presence. That ultimately God just loves all of us and welcomes any of us that come back and repent and turn to him. And that's the big thing is that peace is at hand because of Jesus. Peace is at hand because of the mercy and grace of our Lord. And so like anybody that is needing peace today, just turn to our God. That's it. That's It's as simple as that. And just recognizing who you honestly are and just saying, God, come into my life. Come be a part of me. Be my Lord and Savior that I know you are and I receive you today. That's the good news that has come through Jesus Christ. that's the beauty of this story and that these shepherds. So they're told um, they're told also hurry to the village uh, and they found Mary and Joseph there lying. And it's because these angels were told, go to Bethlehem. Let's see the things. Uh, No, wait, that was the wrong verse. Uh, Here it is. You will recognize him by the sign. This is verse 12. This is where it is. Uh, You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger why did the angel specifically say that because of two things they were wrapped snugly in strips of cloth instead of a nice blanket uh one that's odd why would a brand new baby be wrapped in um strips of cloth or just rags or you know uh and some say that these were strips of cloth used uh as you know, Jewish travelers would move on. And if they had to move dead animals or they had to, or these were uh, strips of cloth, if somebody was to die along the journey that they they could be handled and still you were to remain clean. Um, Basically these are rags. These are just dirty, filthy rags that are used for any old nasty purpose. And Jesus was wrapped in them. Lying in a manger, lying in a food trough, Lying where pigs eat and horses and other farm animals are getting their meal, this isn't uh, at a beautiful table uh, for people. This is food for the lowly animals in the in the back. And that there was no room for the him in the end, which is so symbolic of how our human nature is: is that ultimately and initially we have no desire to come to God our sinful pattern would love to have us just completely sorry there's no room for you here Jesus there's no room for here that's where a lot we see this over and over why are so many people having a hard time why did i even go into at the very beginning of uh people's attacks on luke's writing because they want to dispute prove the bible instead of uh receiving the goodness of what the Bible is saying is that our natural sinful pattern would love to and say, there's no room for you here. And But Jesus came in such a way that regardless of our sinful nature that says there's no room, that I'm making a new way, that I'm doing a new thing, and that I'm coming in such a humble way because I love you so much that i have grace and i have mercy for you and we see this that that instruction was given to these uh to these shepherds to find them in snuggly in strips of cloth uh in lying in a manger two uh, things that even even just like a regular whatever family um not even on the map of names or anything to be writing home about just just a run of the middle family that's having a baby would still never go to this level of uh, wrapping their kids in whatever cloth and putting him uh, or her in a feeding trough for animals. Such a specific and humble, humble way of being described so that, guess what? We have to see this for our own eyes because that's hard to believe that's hard to believe. Like that's where we hear stories on the news of um, somebody just left their baby in the garbage can. Those are hard for us to believe. Like, why would anybody do that to a precious baby? Why would anybody do uh, things like that? And so it's hard to believe that. Why would anybody just have their baby sitting in a feeding drop? Like that makes no sense. And so that's why It's like this big thing to make sure that, hey, this is what you're looking for. And these shepherds are just like, oh, my gosh, we have to go. And so into verse 15, where I was, uh, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the things that uh, has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let's go. Because this one, this is wild. We have the Lord's angels in a miraculous concert show opening up the heavens showing us as we're just lowly shepherds out in this field to announce such a weird understanding of a baby in a feeding trough this is weird the glory of the lord is telling us we're expecting a baby in like golden wrapped linen you know and listening hair and beautifulness and all of this crazy, you know, all of this like that's That's what we would expect when you see this symphony concert of uh, angels from the Lord, that that's what should be happening. But that's not how he came. God works in mysterious ways, right? What are those crazy mysterious ways that God is working or has worked in your life that guess what? People have to know you to believe it. People have to have almost seen you go through it to believe it because that sounds crazy. That sounds wild. There's no way that's real. But God's doing something like that. God's doing this thing, this new thing, this wild, crazy. This was outside of our mind, outside of our comprehension, outside of what we would consider to be possible. But God makes a way through the impossible to be possible out of what our culture says should happen. God often works such opposite ways. And so for us, that's something I want us to think about as these shepherds are going to see something that is so contrary to what we would think needs to happen. What are the things that have happened in your life that guess what only God could do? What is that story in your life that you need to praise God for almost like a symphony of praise for what God has done in your life? That is so miraculous, but so riveting and so life changing that somebody has you have to give evidence for it because it's so miraculous and so counterculture almost. Those are the stories that we need to also hold on to. Those are the stories that God is still working and not just through his word and what has happened, but also through what God is doing through his people today. What he's doing through you and I in our lives to not only have a testimony of what Jesus did in the Bible, but also have a testimony of what Jesus has done in our hearts and our lives. That's how all of this kind of circles back around to where he's talking about bringing peace and joy to earth then, and he's still bringing peace and joy to the earth now in the hearts and lives of people that repent and turn to him and say, Yes, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. I need you, Jesus, in my heart. I receive your grace. I receive your mercy. I receive your love. I receive that, even though. I don't deserve it. That's the miraculousness of what only our God can do. And so, today, on this Thursday morning, or whenever you're listening to this uh, later on, what is that story that should be sung from the heavens that's happened in your life that you can tell somebody else about that can bring joy, that can bring peace, that can bring comfort? They can bring forgiveness, They can bring grace and mercy that only our Jesus, only our Lord, only the Christ can do. And that's the story that this Christmas we need to say. So let's pray, and I challenge you to say your story, your miraculousness, your song of heaven to somebody else. To bring joy to them this Christmas, let's pray. Father, I just uh, I just come to you today this morning, and and all of us that are on this um, Zoom or listening to this podcast or YouTube later, Lord, we just just illuminate in us what you would have others to see in you. Use us as your angels to sing your praises, to illuminate uh, your light, to uh, bring out your love, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, your open arms to those that just want to come into your heaven, come into your kingdom, come into your glory, and just receive that today. Lord, because that's the whole reason of this Christmas season is not just the bringing of a baby. The bringing of our Savior, the bringing of our Savior that later we will also celebrate uh, that has died for our sins, but rose to new life on that third day. Lord, we just love you and we praise your name today. We praise your name forever. May we continue to just seek your face. And may we praise your name to others. That they want to know who is this Jesus that has changed my friend's heart and life. That maybe he can change my heart and life too. And Lord, we know that you can and you do and you will. Because that is your heart. Lord, we just love you. We pray all this in your mighty name. May we have a Merry Christmas this season. Because of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Have a Merry Christmas, everyone. I can't wait to see you uh, again, but I won't see you until after Christmas. So I hope every one of you has a blessed, wonderful, joyful Christmas season. Uh, Have a great one. Take care. God bless. See you next time.